Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our interview with the writer and star of The Big Sick, Kumail Nanjiani. This was fun. Wait, we haven't even had sex again yet. I'm just not that kind of girl. I only have sex once on the first date. I'm just going <laughs> to call an Uber. Your driver will be ready as soon as he puts on his pants. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Next Best Picture podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and today, joining me, it's a very, very special day. I'm very, very proud to have this guest on the show. This person starred and wrote one of my favorite films of the year, probably the best comedy of 2017, and all around just a fantastic film. You might have heard of it. It is called The Big Sick. It is currently nominated for the Producers Guild of America, the SAG Ensemble Award, the Writers Guild of America, Critics' Choice Award for Best Picture, and also is listed by the American Film Institute as one of the top 10 films of the year. I have Kumail Nanjiani with us. How are you, Kumail? I'm great. Thanks for having me. How's it going with you? Uh, it's going really excellent over here. Um, we're, you know, obviously right in the thick of award season at the moment. And with that, it's <laughs> it's an interesting time where a lot of people are kind of scurrying to catch up and pop in that last screener and really get a chance to, you know, catch up with anything they missed throughout the year. And also, too, you know, you're trying to track all these award shows and it just becomes like almost like this cycle, this storm, so to speak, uh, you know, it, it's hard to keep track of everything and time just seems to get away from you. And that's kind of what I wanted to ultimately uh, talk about with you here today is this crazy wild year you and your wife, Emily must be having uh, since the release of the big sick, which premiered almost a year ago uh, would have been January 20th of 2017 at Sundance. So in kind of tying this all together, I wanted to invite you on here to talk about the journey that it has been for you, your wife, and the production of The Big Sick. So uh, just to start it off here, uh, would you mind telling us, ultimately, what was the inception of the idea for the movie? How did it really just come to be with you and your wife writing it together? Well, you know, it was something that had actually in some form happened to us. And then for a while, I'd been thinking, I was like, you know, I think this would be a good story for a movie. Um, I didn't think about it as a TV show or anything. I was like, this is a movie story because I know where it starts. I know where it ends. It just was like, I know what the three acts are. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was a little scared for a little while to start working on it because it's obviously a very personal traumatic time for both of us. And also, I just didn't feel as a writer or as, or as an actor that I was ready to tackle it just yet. No, did you did you bring it to uh, Judd Apatow, or um, how did you guys get the script out there once it was completed? Uh, well, Judd was on board from the beginning. So basically, I met Judd in 2012 at uh, South by Southwest, which is where our movie played last year, too, which is great. We did a comedy show together, and we really had a great time. And obviously, Judd was already Judd and the biggest comedy producer in the world. <laughs> um, and so he, he, but he liked 
hanging out with us. And then he asked us, well, he was like, hey, come on in and I want to work with you. So if you have any ideas for movies, let me know. So I sort of worked out a bunch of ideas, but I knew this was the one I wanted to do with him just because it felt in his wheelhouse. He likes to do, you know, sort of personal comedies. He likes to do uh, comedies about that, that are more than just, you know, funny. You know, he likes to have a real emotional component to his work. Um, and so then when I told him the idea, he was like, wow, that's, uh, he immediately just connected to it and was like, okay, now go prepare it as like a formal pitch and then mm -hmm. come and pitch it to me as a movie. He wasn't like, all right, let's work together. I think he wanted to see that I put in the work or something. So then I took a couple of weeks, worked out an actual pitch. And when I did the pitch, I'd brought in like, you know, I still had like, um, hospital id badges from when i visited emily back then we just have like a little box a little hospital box you know that's all the stuff from that time so I brought, yeah like in the movie yeah like in the movie that's exactly right that's exactly right it's interesting to see how real life things sort of morphed into other versions of themselves for the movie but i'm jumping ahead um and then he said he liked the pitch and was like, let's start working on it. But I think what Judd does is Judd works on, with a lot of people on a lot of different projects. So you really kind of, the onus is on you to keep doing the work and presenting it to him. And then he'll give you notes. And um, so we sort of wrote for, we wrote for three years. Wow. And, and, you know, at, at one point it was going to be, he had, he, he had a little window for a project and it was either us, or it was Trainwreck, and Trainwreck was further along because Amy had just sort of, she was just further along. She'd done more work on it, so he went with Trainwreck. And so at that point, we knew, like, okay, so this is pushed at least a year. And then we, once he, as he was winding down, we knew that after he was done promoting Trainwreck, he had another window where he would pick his next project. And we knew that we had to really get the script to a point where he would feel comfortable uh, picking that as his next project, picking us. And so that's what we did. We, we wrote a bunch. We, you know, we really, really worked on it. And then in that little window, we showed him the script and he was like, all right, okay, let's do this next. And that was, that was very exciting because we knew that if we didn't get that window, we'd probably get pushed another year or two. Um, and that's when we sort of started looking for directors. Um, and th that was three years into the writing process. Wow. Now, it's interesting because uh, Michael Showalter uh, was brought on as a director, and uh, he had a film uh, the previous year that um, I saw, and I know a lot of others uh, really uh, liked a lot, starring Sally Field, called Hello, My Name is Doris. Uh, it was very well received. It really helped me to uh, understand that, you know, before I saw the film, that I knew this movie would be uh, in good hands. And I was just curious, because the story is so personal, um, did you ever have any kind of a say in uh, the casting or in meeting with Michael Showalter or anything like that? Like, who would be involved in telling your story? Oh, yeah, from the beginning, you know, I think Judd sort of understood that Emily and I obviously connected to this, were connected to this in a way that nobody else was. So, you know, he would give us notes and he would definitely, definitely disagree with us a lot, but he... Ultimately, he wanted Emily and me to sort of be, you know, the, the driving forces behind the movie. He wanted us to be on set. He wanted us to edit the movie. He, he, he wanted us to be the people sort of in charge. And I think he took his job to be as someone who was guiding and making sure that we didn't mess it up, you know. So, so for Mike, I, I actually have a small part in Hello, My Name is Doris. Um, and my first job 
in showbiz was writing for a show that Mike created back in 2008. So I'd known Mike for a long time. And after I saw, I loved the Hello, My Name is Doris script. And I was in the movie as soon as we saw, like, you know, we saw a version of it before it came out. He sent me a link and just loved it so much. And we knew that, you know, it was going to be, we really needed someone who could really do the comedy of the movie. Because it, it, it is, you know, you want the jokes to hit hard. You want them to hit hard in the way that they would hit with like a big, mainstream studio movie but then you also wanted the emotions to hit in the way that you would in uh in a really really moving indie movie you know so we really needed both those sides i we always felt from the beginning you know that there's there's this new genre of indie dramedy where we felt like they weren't they were funny but not that funny and they were they were dramatic, but not that dramatic. They were kind of in the middle, and we really wanted something that would hit those spikes. We wanted it to be as funny as a big comedy and as moving as a as a big drama. And so, so we knew it was going to be tricky to find someone who could do that. Um, but after I saw Hello, my name, name is Doris. He he was both our um, he was our first choice, you know. And then Judd saw it. Judd really loved that movie. And then we had sort of a meeting with Mike, and it was me, Emily Judd, and Barry Mendel, who's another uh, producer on the movie, who was very, very hands-on, very, very involved uh, with the production of the movie the entire time. And Mike came in with a pitch, and he had, you know, he just was, he had he had prepared so much, he, he got the movie. It was kind of crazy that, you know, in the beginning, the brain trust was me, Emily Judd, and Barry, and then we added this fifth person, and... There was no, we didn't have to catch him up as soon as he came on. He got exactly the tone of the movie. He knew exactly what we wanted to do. And at, after that interview, Judd actually took us back to his office and, and gave us an office to start working in. So Mike came in for the interview and we started working that day with Mike. That's fantastic, you know, and it, it's funny too because you know now you, now you flash forward to I believe uh, principal photography on the film started somewhere around uh, May of 2016, and it, it, it you know you, you, just a few months later you guys are at Sundance, and the film uh, does not have distribution at this point. It screens, and you guys get picked up by Amazon uh, for distribution, and you know coming out of it, I remember thinking back. Uh, you know, a year ago and talking with my team over here about what were the big titles at Sundance. And you guys were at the very, very, very top of the list of films where it was like, all right, call me by your name, Mudbound, Big Sick. These three are three films that could potentially go all the way this year. And obviously you have. And Amazon definitely has, uh, I think, been a really, really big help in making that happen, especially now that you guys are on the streaming platform itself, so more people can obviously see the film. So tell me what it meant to get acquired by uh, by Amazon and ultimately have them uh, brought on as a partner. You know, it's kind of cool. I was actually talking to, before I went to Sundance, I'm friends with Mark and Jay Duplass. I've uh, and, and so before I went, I was talking to them about it because they've obviously done it a lot. And he's like, you know, you have two experiences. He's like, we've gone a lot. And uh, he's like, there's the experience where your movie shows and then it's crazy and everyone wants your movie and it's really exciting. And then there are times when the movie screens and as you're walking up, you're saying, that's the last time anybody's going to see our movie. Mm -hmm. So we, we've sort of gone in not knowing 
which version we were going to get. Um, we knew we were very proud of the movie. Uh, we knew we really loved it, uh, but we didn't know how the rest of the world was going to feel about it. So it was great, you know, it, it screened and right as it was screening, we knew like, oh, this is going really well. And our producer had actually said like, hey, we have the after party. He's like, you can judge um, how well the movie did by how many people show up to the after party. <laughs> and then the after party was packed. And we were like, OK, great. And that's when the first review started hitting. When we st first started hearing about. Uh, the companies that were interested in in buying us for distribution. And we heard a few names, and then Emily and I, and this was the plan from the beginning. We said, you know, we told Jed and Barry, we were like, we want to be out of this conversation. You guys go, decide, keep us in the loop, tell, let us know if you need to let, let us know anything, but we don't want to be in those negotiating rooms. So, yeah. so I think that night, all night, and the next day, Jed and Barry sort of met with a bunch of different people. And, you know, Amazon, obviously, for us, we really wanted something that would come out in theaters. We love going to movie theaters. That's like, it's literally my favorite thing to do. Outside of my house is going to movies. Um, so we knew we wanted something. We wanted a theatrical release. You know, I feel like sometimes people think like, oh, yeah, the big blockbuster special effects movie should be seen in theaters. But these smaller movies can can be seen at home. But... I don't want to speak for other people, but for our movie, I feel like our movie is a movie about community. We wanted we wanted people to see it in a theater with a bunch of people they don't know. We felt like that was the optimal way to experience our movie. And it's really funny you say that, too, because the night I saw The Big Sick uh, in its limited release in New York City, you actually were there and you came out in front of everyone and you said, uh, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but... We're going up against Transformers and all these other big blockbuster films. And I just can't thank you guys enough for coming to the theater and seeing our movie. And you know what? You're 100% correct because while there is that at-home viewing experience that I know some people will say it feels more intimate, there is something about being in a crowd of people and enjoying in a moment such as uh, the now famous 9-11 uh, joke, let's say, in the film – and hearing everyone just howl in laughter together, um, there's a joyous experience in that. And you were right on the money in making that decision. And I think that it paid off in a very big way to make it a crowd-pleasing experience. Because how can you have a crowd-pleasing experience if there is no crowd? Yeah, thank you. I've been reading this book on editing by Walter Murch, who's one of the legendary editors. And uh, he calls movies, he calls them mass intimacy. Uh, and I think that's such a beautiful way of describing it. It really is mass intimacy. You're in a, in a movie theater going through and everyone is going through the same emotion together. You don't know these people. And obviously, you know, we're in a very fractured time in America, but you're sitting there with people you disagree with or you don't know. Or, and you're all feeling um, joy at the same time. You're feeling sadness at the same time. You're laughing at the same time. It's really... It's a really special thing. Um, and I, you know, the, I read articles all the time about the demise of movie theaters, whatever. I don't buy it. I think people, I think people want movie theaters because it, it is, it, it, you feel so connected to people. I totally agree. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll know I'll never stop going to movie theaters. I'll build my own movie theater before I stop going to the movie theaters. <laughs> How great would that be? I know some people who have their own movie theaters and I'm like, all right, I got to work harder so I can get to that point. Yeah. So now um, we're at this point where, um, like I was saying in the beginning, uh, the film has been seen 
very wide. I mean, you guys have had all year. There's a lot of other films that maybe are late breaking December releases that, you know, it, it's a struggle to catch up with some of these movies. Some of them are expanding uh, or yet to expand, actually, in this month even. And with the uh, Oscar ballots right now out in hand for uh, voters, you know, you guys have had a really, really successful award season run, uh, both in categories such as Best Picture, Supporting Actress for Holly Hunter, who's great in the movie, by the way, and you and Emily for Best Original Screenplay of the Year. And I think that deep down, I think that it's something that hopefully voters are going to be able to connect with, because I think that when they do see it, it is one of the most earnest and genuine films of the year, both in terms of its comedy and of its drama. And so my hope is that people will get a chance to really take you guys, I don't want to say seriously, but it, it's tough, you know, when you've been around uh, all year long and there are other films that are coming out with, you know, maybe bigger budgets or um, bigger people necessarily, um, you know, behind and in front of the film. You know, you guys are the little film that could. And I think that's actually an advantage for you guys in the end. So with that said, I mean, I have to imagine that just overall and in, in standing back and appreciating uh, the cycle, the award season cycle as that little film, um, what has that experience ultimately been like for you with all the promotion and everything that goes into this wild and crazy thing we call the award season? Amazing. You know, we didn't know we were going to be part of this conversation at the end of the year. I don't believe I mean, I don't know what Amazon's plan was, but I don't think that was the plan. The plan was we were going to be a summer movie, hopefully make money, and we did that. And then I remember the first time they told us, they were like, hey, so we're going to sort of make a push for this. And Emily and I were really, really surprised. You know, this whole thing, the best part of it has been sort of getting to meet people who've made the other movies that are in the conversation you know um and it's exciting like we watch a movie at night and the next day you get to meet people from that movie and you see how passionate everybody is and how normal everybody is we had this afi luncheon a couple of days ago and it was crazy to be in a room with you know steven spielberg and tom hanks and mm -hmm. you know all those people we're, we're friends with jordan peele and we have been for years but it's cool to see it's cool to meet new people who you've been fans of for a long time, but also cool to see your friends in kind of a new light, you know, where, where Get Out is one of the the big movies of this award season. And that's really exciting. Um, it, it's been it's been great. We've become really good friends with all the Call Me By Your Name people. And um, it, it, it's been uh, it's very tiring. But what. What I've learned to do is to disconnect myself from the competitive aspect of it, not think of it as, oh, we're up against all these movies, but really think of it as this is such a celebration of movies and we're just we're, we're just happy to be here. We're just happy to be uh, in the same sort of mentioned on the same list and in the same breath as, as these fantastic movies. It's been a great year. Yeah, and, and that's something I keep reiterating to people is that wins and losses don't matter. Um, it's not that kind of an emotional investment. The emotional investment should be in celebrating the films, like you said, and you know, just really giving a platform to cinema and highlighting what is, in some cases, some of the best films of the year, you know, by general consensus. And so I'm just happy to see that you guys are a part of that conversation. I myself was worried. Uh, I remember uh, earlier in the year that, you know, it, it was very possible that you guys could get lost in the conversation. But something about this film has endured the whole way. And to kind of wrap it up now, uh, Kumail, 
first of all, I just want to say uh, thank you so much for your time. And if there was anything that you could tell uh, somebody right now that was listening that maybe has not yet checked out your film, I find that so hard to believe. Um, <laughs> but if you could say one thing uh, to them uh, about the film, The Big Sick, what would it be? Well, I'll say what we tried to make, which was we tried to make, I feel like now in Hollywood, especially in the studio system, there's this pressure to label the movie. What genre is it? Is it a comedy? Is it a drama? And I really think <clears throat> my favorite movies from the 80s, such as Broadcast News or or Tootsie or, 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 you know, those movies from the 70s and 80s, they kind of were just movies that you couldn't really say, I guess you could say, Tootsie's a comedy, but it's so much more. And and I feel like those kinds of movies, those James Brooks movies, and they sort of a little bit went away because movies started thinking of themselves as being in specific genres and specific boxes. And we really tried to make a movie that sort of had all the things about movies that we love. We wanted to make a movie that would make you cry and make you laugh and make you excited and make you scared. Like we tried to put in everything that we could into this movie. And I really think, you know, I, I do think that we put so much work into this movie. I mean, by the time we started shooting, we wrote it for four years. And there's so much character work and relationship work in it that I think if you rewatch the movie, I think you notice stuff that you don't, that you don't even notice the first time. So I would say if you haven't seen the movie, watch it because I think, <laughs> I think it's good, and I also think nobody else has this story. Nobody else has the story of a Muslim Pakistani guy falling in love with a woman while she's in a coma. No, there aren't that many movies like that, but also if you've seen it, watch it again because I do think it rewards uh, rewatching. All right. Oscar ballots are right now in hand. Nominations are announced on January 24th. Uh, we have our fingers crossed over here for you, Kamel, and the rest of the team over at The Big Sick. Be sure to check out The Big Sick if you can. It is streaming right now on Amazon. It is also out on Blu-ray at the moment. And please, 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 please uh, definitely send your love to everyone over there at the cast and crew of The Big Sick. Kamal, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks for your support. All right. Best of luck to you. All right. Bye. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed my interview with the writer and star of The Big Sick, Kumail Nanjiani. It is a heartwarming and hysterical story and is currently right now in the thick of the Oscar conversation. Now with ballots currently in hand, we hope that those who have not had a chance to check out The Big Sick do so. And that you also stay tuned to our work here at Next Best Picture. You can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast where we cover award season all year long on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. You can find me on all the social media networks at Next Best Picture. My name is Matt Neglia, and we will see you all next time. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.